Yo, what's up, everybody? My name is Dave, and on the Writer Lifestyle Podcast, we're going to explore the strategies and tools that help writers and creatives live happier, richer, and more productive lives. We're here to prove that writing careers are more than hobbies, and that making a good living isn't just possible, it's probable. We're going to do this through interviews, articles, tutorials, reviews, and more. So make sure you subscribe to join the Writerly Lifestyle community because you're not going to want to miss this. All right, today we're going to wrap up the interview with Bennett Pellington. If you haven't listened to part one and two, obviously do that first. But today's conversation is really about advice Bennett has for filmmakers. We get some book recommendations. But the thing I found most interesting was the writing technique he shares. It's something I'm definitely going to be talking more about and is a technique that I really feel like is interesting for any writer to hear about. All right, and then just so you know, I've linked everything you need in the show notes from his award-winning film, the trailer for part two, his website, and more. So be sure to check all that out. All right, let's get to it. My next question, which I'm, I'm excited about, uh, I think I think this is going to be an interesting one. So maybe I could actually maybe I could guess what you'd say, but we'll see. Uh, right. If you had a magic wand, it could fix one part of the filmmaking process, any part process or industry, whatever you wanted, your magic wand, you could you could fix it or change it. Um, what would that what would you change and, and why? You mean like something in like the day to day, like on set or just just totally anything, anything. What do you think? I, I was going to guess uh, just from, from talking to you and, and kind of having a sense, I, I would have guessed funding. I feel like it's a nightmare to find hundred percent. It's exactly what I was going to yeah. say. Budget. Yeah. Is trying to find the money. Cause you know, there's some, again, I don't want to, I don't want to bash other, other folks. I'm not even thinking of any specific thing. Mm-hmm. I just, there, I think we've all seen just movies that are just total duds. Yeah. And it's like, how, how the hell did that? How do you blow like $90 million? On something? Yeah, yeah. You know, or even like some of these indies that are getting made mm. for like a million bucks. Like that's awesome. But if you finally have a million bucks to tell your story, why does it suck yeah. so bad? You know what I mean? Like you got a million dollars, not 10. Right. You'd work with what you got. And I don't know. I'm just, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not a great writer. I don't know. But I, I'm just kind of baffled sometimes from some of the scripts that I've been that I've been sent in the past yeah. uh, to either work on or to direct. And it's just like, how did you guys get this lucky? Well, and, and where can I find <laughs> the best is it, is it usually, you know, like a, a one investor or a few, or, I mean, I see like a lot of things on like Kickstarter and GoFundMe and things like that. Mm. Are, are people f- actually finding funding there or, or is it mainly through these like um, bigger uh, uh, investors you know a few years ago i'm sure it was more kickstarter mm-hmm. i'd say it's more if like especially if it's like a feature film it's uh definitely finding some sort of investor or investors okay. yeah because kickstarter it, you know those platforms i'm uh, i know they work for so many people i know we tried on miners mountain and we got some money and kind of the same faces that donated the first go round, come back for the sure. second round second go round, and that's awesome on short films, you know, there's no real return or anything. So it's like, that's why, you know, you got to go for a Kickstarter or something like that. Right. I think a lot of people are finding uh, use on that, like Patreon platform okay. via YouTube, yeah. you know, or I don't know if it's just for YouTube, but, um, but no, for, for like feature filmmaking, I just, in my experiences, I found that it's uh, more geared towards like finding an investor or an investment group or a producer because if you if you have a friend who who's well known in a certain area, it's a lot easier to get money sometimes, 
or if you know the investor, you can sell them on the one, the script's got to be solid, you know, but also if you can present them another movie that's kind of in the same genre that did it for the same budget and show them like what they got, you know, what the return was on that and how they hope to market. So if you can basically lay it out in front of some people, mm. I think it's a lot easier to find uh, investors or, or what have you. But, uh, but yeah, Kickstarter, Kickstarter bothers me because it's, it's so reliant on uh, just a bunch of people donating yeah. money. And especially when there's not a lot of money to be had, especially during like 2020 mm-hmm. or right after, like, I, I don't know. I don't. It also, it feels bloated a little bit on, on places like that. It feels like it, it was really probably, you know, if you went on there looking to fund a movie, there was probably like 10 when it first started. And now it's like, right. I mean, a thousands, I'm sure, if not more. It's yeah. Like, it's crazy. It's like fun. My, the thing that I think is not, um, I just don't think it's that um, responsible sometimes because, again, I've had people donate to my projects in the past for sure. So I'm not like throwing anyone under the bus yeah. or anything here. I just think that, again, you don't ever really get a return right. on short films. So if you're kind of constantly doing that, and asking people for money yeah. on this short film, and then here's my perks. Right. You get a signed poster by the cast and crew that you've never heard of, right. and this and that and the other. And you know, your grandma may think it's cool or whatever, but if you keep coming back to that, yeah. it's you know, people aren't gonna keep keep throwing money in that pot. Right. You know? Right. No, that makes sense. And and at some point you exhaust that that goodwill that I'm sure you have the first couple of times around. Yeah, you know. So uh, so I, I, I'd encourage people to if they have a feature film idea. One thing that I used to do that I really helped me a lot was you know i've read so many screenwriting books and then i'll sit down to write and be like what's wrong with me like i know how this whole structure works why can't i do it well me personally like i don't like the note card thing they talk about doing a certain number of note cards for act one act two and act three but i like having kind of a bird's eye view of the whole story so just write down a little sentence for your an act one for your this point, this point, and this point, and whatever. I like doing that, but also um, pulling up. And I don't, I don't say this as in no one should plagiarize. That is not anywhere near what I'm even trying to get across here. But one thing that helped me kind of learn screenwriting and find my voice in writing is looking at other scripts. And they don't even have to be, they don't even have to be in the genre that you're working on, but to to read from those writers who've done it in the past and sold their script and just hear how they wrote, like even your action lines or describing lines, it's really informative, mm. you know. And, uh, as long as you're not stealing like dialogue and other big things or set pieces, whatever, like don't don't take it, but make it your own. Yeah. Right. Take take what they did, which works. And go make it your own now that you have a bit of a roadmap. Yeah. You know, I have a buddy who used to take a, a scene from a movie that he like, say he, it's kind of like the general same, same sense mm-hmm. of a scene from another movie. And he'll, he'll take that scene and he would open up a new draft and not copy that scene, but he would put his characters in and paste all the action lines. And then he'd go through one by one and, uh, write it out as if uh he was writing you know die hard or whatever right Right. but then by manipulating it and changing it and making his own before you know it you have a totally different scene but it's in the same arc as a scene from you know die hard or something 
and it just helped inform him how to go about you know that next hurdle right because you cross that hurdle and then you got a hundred more in front of you. yeah that's that's so it's just about that's such a cool sorry. idea no i was gonna say that's such a cool idea something i haven't heard before but I feel like people allude to that all the time when it comes to writing stories, like whatever it's like finding that like master text, right? Like whatever mm. you want to write, like find that thing that somebody wrote and, and, you know, like you're saying, like copy it without copying it kind of yeah. uh, like ex- yeah. you know, diving into it. And that, that's such a cool idea. I've never heard that before. Um, it seems like, yeah. you know, with stories, stories are so universal anyway, that, you know, as you change a little bit of dialogue, you change a little bit here and there, like that, that arc, like you're saying is, so similar for any story that when you as soon as you change the dialogue it, it could be anything you know it could come across yeah. as anything you know and i remember you know in, in film school uh like i remember at one point they had us um we had to recreate a scene from any movie to kind of learn why they put the camera where they did when they moved it how they lit it you know mm-hmm. and try and recreate all those things and it was i think it's a really valuable and really informative thing to to try and do because again it shows you so much oh that's why he, that's cool that's why he died there and blah blah uh my question is why can't you do it with writing yeah so take that script change the names to other people obviously you can't use it right because it's not yours but like take that script change the names and then look at it and write it out physically write it out yeah. And just, you kind of get a sense of how that actor wrote that out. Now, granted, they probably went through a hundred polished drafts before they got to that end goal, but I think it's a good uh, practice. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think that's, that's really interesting. I'm, um, I'm, I'm like thinking now, I think there was a, a writer once who just rewrote all of the great Gatsby. It's like stuck in my oh, head yeah? somewhere. Yeah. Like he thought it would like help him learn how F Scott Fitzgerald did. I'll have to look that up. Um, Cause I feel that's like, yeah, I feel like that's out there. Some something I've heard before. Um, I'll have to look that up. Um, yeah, I'm gonna look that up. As soon as <laughs> um, because like, it's that same thing, right? It's, it's just about, uh, taking somebody who's doing something really well and like figuring it out from inside out. You know, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. too hard to do it a lot of times from, from the outside in. So you might as well get yourself inside. And exactly. It's the best way to say yeah. it. Sometimes it's, it's, it's too hard to do it from the outside in. So yeah, sometimes you just got to hop in the house and dig your way out. That's right. <laughs> um, all right. So if you could go back in time and you were, you had 30 seconds to talk to your younger self, I'm thinking that like, you know, 17, 18 year old kid who just wrote that first movie for your, uh, for your senior project in high school and you had 30 seconds to talk to your younger self, what would you say? To become a realtor. <laughs> 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 um, what would I say? I would say, um, I'd say fight harder, man. I'd say, I'd say hustle more. Um, but, but back it up. And, uh, I would also say, you know, you know, you have to spend your own money starting out to, to make your projects. Like that's just, you know, you have to No, you know, when you're, when you're green and you've done this for all those six months, no one's going to give you money to go make a short film. You kind of have to spend your own money. Right. But at a certain point, don't spend all of your money on basically put some of that money aside for other things in life. You know what I mean? Because as much as as much as I love filmmaking and just want to be on set every day if I can, especially if I'm in a sort of director or creative role, you, you still got to go home to your house, you know, and, and you still got to pay your bills and... Mm-hmm. Sometimes, uh, you know, it's like that saying, you know, my 
my eyes were bigger than my stomach or whatever, you know, when you go and yep. you see, sometimes you, you got to put a little money aside and see if you can find it somewhere else or work, work longer at your job and until you have enough money in one area of your life that you can take that money and spend it on your passion projects. Cause, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we spent, we spent a lot of money on Miners Mountain and part two. And, uh, I never saw it doing as well as it has. I, yeah. I thought it'd be a couple of years. Maybe we'd have a million views or something, but yeah. So I'm really, I'm really blessed to be in the position I'm in. I mean, I'm still, you know, still fighting to continue writing and directing, but that's over 30 seconds. But yeah, I tell them, no, that's good. <laughs> fight harder, you know, stay humble and, and, and put some of your money away so you don't spend it all. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and what's what's that what's that process like now? So Miners Mountain Part Two, uh, when you finish it, what's what are you gonna go um, straight to YouTube? You plan on on shopping around a little bit? Or you're not sure yet. No, I'm just gonna go straight to YouTube because yeah. we, you know, essentially it's uh, it's it's Part Two is very different from the. I have a what's called a, a series Bible. Okay. For if if I were ever to turn it into get the opportunity to turn it into a series one day, mm. but uh, myself and my other uh, co-screenwriter uh, Trip Allen, we wrote that, um, and and part two is vastly different than um, than anything we wrote in for the series. Part okay. two was more of um, I, I think it was more of like just like a thank you. Uh, to all the people who who responded so positively to Miner's mm-hmm. Mountain. Um, you know, they say strike wire, the iron is hot, but then, you know, you have a year of post-production, so <laughs> <laughs> it didn't help. But, um, yeah. but yeah, we just wanted to make something for all those people who are like, oh, gosh, I wish this was a feature film. Why isn't this on Netflix? Why is yeah. make another one, you know? And it's like, and it takes money and time, man. <laughs> I'm trying. Um so yeah, it was, and, it was, and hurry up too, right? Yeah, man, just before I piss all of them off. Um, uh, yeah, so we kind of made it as like, look, if someone else wants to pay me to do more of like the YouTube versions of it, I'd love to. I'm sure there's yeah. a route I could go with it. Um, but I can't keep spending my own money on it anymore. Mm. Uh, so this was more of like a, one, like keep exercising that creative muscle and also kind of give back to you know, we spent six years on the first one, spent a year on this. So I'm kind of ready just for it to be out there and focus yeah. on some other projects for a while. And I, I'm just so thankful of all the people who have responded to Miners Mountain, yourself included. Yeah. Um, uh, so I've met a lot of wonderful people and a lot of people I still keep in touch with. Uh, but, you know, life's got to go on. I got to, I still want to write and direct and I'd love to do a longer version of Miners Mountain one day. But again, I just can't keep spending my own money so right yeah this is just kind of for everyone who watched the first one enjoyed it and wanted to see where else where it could go yeah that's cool so yeah we still leave some cliffhangers in there <laughs> but uh, well it wouldn't it wouldn't be uh it wouldn't be one of yours if, if you wrap no, it right? up right can't tell an ending. <laughs> <laughs> but i i yeah <laughs> never mind i'm to give some away but i shouldn't yeah no no spoilers no spoilers, nah, no spoilers. <laughs> Um, all right. So, uh, kind of to, to just to wrap up here, are there any books, movies, or resources you suggest for aspiring filmmakers? For filmmakers, yes. Um, Save the Cat 
by, I believe his name is Blake Snyder. Mm-hmm. I revert back to that book all the time. Cool. There's another one called The Hollywood Standard, and it's kind of like a formatting screenwriting book. Kind of helps you with the format. How you know? How do I know when to use a shot or a t- transition or parentheticals in the dialogue? Like it just gives you a straight, basic like here's when and here's why and here's when you can't. Mm-hmm. So that's helped me a lot too. And this is gonna sound kind of cheesy, but like one thing that's informed me a lot in writing is uh watching i don't like to do it often because who actually likes to do this but watching a movie on mute oh if you can understand what's going on without hearing the dialogue you know that the writing is is doing good things because they're showing you the information visually wow but if you can't if you if you don't know and you know if you don't know it from your arm from your elbow like during a scene then you know that the writing is just it's being expository and it's maybe too much dialogue. So I like to sometimes, again, not often, because again, who likes to watch a movie on mute, but sometimes I'll watch a show or a movie and um, on mute and, and see how I can interpret what they're doing as well as how I can use it towards my own things. Like maybe this whole awesome monologue I wrote the other day isn't needed. Maybe all I have to do is just show a quick look or a visual motif or something like that, that'll, the audience will clue in. Like one thing with Miner's Mountain that never, I don't think anyone picked up on because I didn't, I didn't properly deliver on it. But the whole time you hear him, you never hear Sheriff Jeffrey's voice during any of the flashbacks, except for maybe the very beginning or the very end of one of the flashbacks. It's just kind of like, it's just kind of like a visual telling of like, here's what happened, right? But at the end, the only time you hear his voice throughout the flashback is when he's telling his wife about what he saw on the road that night. Yeah. Um, so I read uh, I, uh, years ago, I read uh, not the whole book, but some parts of this psychological book on how to like kind of trick people a little bit. And um, when you hear someone's voice, it's much easier for you to trust them. So again, I doubt anyone picked up on this, but like, that's why I didn't have any of his voice during any of the initial flashbacks because I don't. I wanted people to kind of like, is he lying? Is he telling the truth? I don't know. But when he tells his wife what he saw, it's more sincere because you're hearing him say it as it's happening. Wow. So just imparting, imparting little, you know, read some psych. I, I don't have any like psychological books or sociology books to, that I could recommend right off the bat. But um, right looking into stuff like that can be super informative, even if it is just reading an article online. Yeah. I, that's interesting. I feel like that's one of those things that, uh, that as, as viewers, uh, we don't pick up on kind of, we don't notice, but internally we do, like you're saying, like we're just probably more likely to trust him because of that. We're more likely to believe his story because of that. Um, and that's, that's that, that depth, I think, Mm. um, and detail that separates, a good film from a great one, you know. I mean, I feel like that's one of those things that, like, that level of detail will will really um, stand out. That's super yeah. cool. I mean, I can't say that about my own, but but <laughs> other. Well, I will then. Okay. I will. <laughs> so, uh, last thing: uh, where can people find you? Where you want people to look you up? Yeah, my website bennettpellington.com. 
It's got some of my stuff on there, including Miner's Mountain and some other things that I've done. I'm going to be updating it a little more soon because obviously with part two coming out, we got a few more things. We're going to hope to have a little behind the scenes making of thing that I want to put out there because I thought that'd be kind of fun. Uh, yeah, so BennettPellington.com, my YouTube. If you just look up Bennett Pellington channel, it's got, again, a lot of my videos and whatnot on there. And then my Instagram, Bennett Pellington. Two N's, two T's. <laughs> cool. I'll link everything too. So so everyone can, uh, if you're uh, wherever you're joining us, you can you can find it there in the notes. Perfect. Um, cool. But yeah, I appreciate it so much. Um, anything else uh, we didn't touch on that you want to share? No, I'm just really looking forward to seeing... Uh, where you take your site, man. You know, I, I give it a look and it looks like, a, it looks like something that I'd look at, you know, weekly. You uh, know, I, I have my, that. I have my little things that I look at, you know, all the time, you know, that I, I just constantly check in on. And I think with this resource that you got coming out is going to be uh, really fantastic, you know, and I look forward to hearing other interviews that you end up posting up here soon. And yeah, just humbled and grateful. Thank cool. you for having me on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it so much. I, I, I really hope that uh, um, it's beneficial for, for people. It's, I, I really feel like, uh, and you know, it's interesting and, and, and uh, kind of aside, the last thing here, but uh, as you were talking about like the get the nine to five and have the family and like, I'm a teacher now and, mm-hmm. and I got a, a year and a half year old at home. And, um, and it's funny because like I look at you and I'm like, man, I wish I did that, <laughs> you know? So I feel like it's always, grass is always greener on the other right. side. So, yeah. um, but this is one of those things that I feel like if I was a, if I was a young kid, if I was, you know, either in high school or in college and, and I, I just, I feel like I'd want to hear your story. You know, I'd want to know, uh, it, it's so easy. I feel like we get caught up in these things where like, you know, somebody just like immediately skyrockets to the top and they're like yeah. a ni- 19 year old director. And, and like, that's just not the reality. no. No, no, no. And I just really want to share stories like this. Yeah, I got the idea from Miner's Mountain when I, after my dad told that thing when I was 16. And then, yeah, so it took us six years to get it fully finished, but it was there years and yeah. years prior. So it's just, you know, just you got to yeah. stick it out. Just keep making stuff, yeah. that's all. And the one thing, too, is just the next thing you make, you always want to try and be better than your last, right? Or find something new that challenges you. I don't know that people will like part two. I hope so. But there's definitely things in it that I wanted to work mm-hmm. on more. So each one, if you can, you know, you're, you're going to learn more from your biggest yeah. failures, yeah. right? And for the longest time, I thought Miner's Mountain was my mm-hmm. biggest failure. All this money spent and never went anywhere. And now, 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 we're, now we're talking about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> now you're doing part two. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, yeah, I really appreciate it, man. Um, uh, if anything comes up, let me know. And obviously I'll, I'll be, uh, listening in to find out when part two comes out. I can't wait. Oh, thanks man. Again, it's a pleasure being on the show and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on part two. Appreciate it. Stay in touch. All right. So that's it with our conversation with Bennett Pellington. If you want to know more about him, make sure you check out his information by following the links in the show notes. By the time you're hearing this, Miner's Mountain 2 might already be out. So definitely go check that out. Next time. Next time on the show, we're going to be talking to Amy Elizabeth Bishop, a awesome. Next time we chat. Next week on the show, we're going to be talking to Amy Elizabeth Bishop. She's a literary agent and a relatively new one. And I think her perspective on what it means to be a literary agent and how she learned from some of the legends of the 
and what she learned from one of the legends. I think her perspective on what it means to be a literary agent, as well as her perspective on what she learned by working with one of the legends of the publishing industry, you're really going to want to hear this. All right, next week, we're going to talk to Amy Elizabeth Bishop. She is an awesome up-and-coming literary agent. She's going to share her background, what she's looking for now in writing, but also she's going to give us a better picture of kind of the whole publishing industry right now. I thought it was so interesting, and I really enjoyed our conversation, so you're definitely going to want to check that out. She also gives a unique perspective because she worked with one of the absolute legends of the publishing industry. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss any of these conversations. And I'll catch you next week.